Have you ever had a Sunday morning like that before? <laughs> you know, one of those days where uh, on the way to church everyone is at each other and the kids are calling names and using every word that they can come up with and the parents are at their wits end with anger or frustration and you walk in church and act like everything is awesome, right? We want to look that way and yet we know life is pretty tough sometimes and you know, this is especially true for preachers because we're supposed to be like having it together on a Sunday morning for sure, right? I mean, we're going to talk about God's Word and that kind of thing. And let me tell you, it happens in our house too. I can promise you this. But we want to hide that. We want to hide any kind of problems that we're having, having in, our, in our families or maybe in our marriage or in our relationships. We don't want the world to know that. And we're pretty creative about finding ways to hide that. Maybe you do that. Maybe you, you have people specifically that you try to hide the struggles you're going through. You might have a sibling, and maybe there's still a little bit of competitive spirit with them, right? And you just don't want them to see that your kids aren't perfect, or that you just don't have it all together. And yet we know we're putting on this front to make everybody feel like, everybody believe that we have it all together. We look in our relationships, and we know we don't. We know if we look in our family relationships, or maybe work relationships, friendships, that there are times when we just blow it, when we don't get it right, and we try to make it look like we do. You know, our relationships are inherently complex. Whenever you bring two people together or more people together and they have competing interests and they have different ways of approaching life and different values sometimes, inevitably we're going to have some conflict in those relationships. And the question is, how do we deal with some of that? How do we deal with the problems that come from relationships? How do we improve those relationships? You know, it might be that you can look back in your life and see a pattern. You can see patterns of the ways that you have failed in relationships. That you have left a string of relationships that are broken. Maybe it's because your fuse has been too short and, and you pop off and you let people know just what you're thinking and then you look back and say... I wish I had thought some of that through. Or maybe you're the kind of person who you have all this internal conflict with someone and you have a conversation that you replay over and over how you're going to deal with it, but you never do it. So all that stays bottled up inside and you end up building a wall between you and another person. It's complex. And we have those broken relationships in our lives. And as complex as relationships might be, and as difficult as they might be at times, and as much of a challenge as it is to maintain healthy relationships, again, in families and in other settings, oh, it's so important to us too, isn't it? Our relationships matter to us. When our relationships aren't in the right place, we're struggling. You know, I'm one who believes that if things aren't right with my wife, they're not right with my life, you know? And if there's something going on between me and Leanne, I have trouble sort of concentrating on anything else and dealing with the other things that have to be dealt with in life because I want that right. And it's true with our kids. It's true with our parents. 
you know, parents, we want our children to, to respect us, to love us. And if we've done, th- done something that might push them away or cause them not to respect us or feel like we don't love them, we want to fix that because the relationship is broken. So when relationships are not right, we feel it inside and it stays with us. And it's not something that we can just sort of push out there and go on and live life. It really hangs over us. And again, that can be true in family, but it might be true with people that we go to church with. It might be true with people that we work with. We want to have these relationships in the right place. And in different stages of life, we have relationships that matter in different ways. Certainly when we're younger, it might be some coworkers or friendships that are really important. As we get a little bit older, it may be our children, maybe parents who are aging, always our spouse, all those things. So today I want us to think about how do we make relationships better? And not just family, but all relationships. And I want us to think about what Scripture has to say. Today we continue in this series that we're calling The Big Questions. And we're attempting to address some of the questions that we as, as human beings ask ourselves and ask God and sometimes ask each other. Last week we talked about what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of this life? What are we supposed to do with this? And today we're thinking about relationships. Next week we're going to really be challenged with some of the difficult times of life, the things that come at us and maybe take us blind and and we really struggle through. What do we do in those moments? How do we handle the difficult times in life? But today, how do we make our relationships better? Now, if we turn to Scripture, a lot of people might say, well, you know, as I've read the Bible, what I see is there's a lot of stuff about my relationship with God. Now, you got all the Old Testament commands about how we're supposed to worship God, and you got Jesus talking about this relationship with God that can Paul as well. We see forgiveness, and, and we see eternal life offered, and all those things. But does the Bible really say anything about my relationships with other people? And some people think, well, the Bible's not really that practical in that area. But the truth is, we have a huge amount of wisdom about our relationships with other people. Several of Paul's letters deal with this extensively. If you listen to Jesus' teaching, he is continually talking about how we relate to other people. So today, I'd like us to turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be at the end of chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 5. And we see Paul laying out what relationships should look like for a Christian. And this really is a big section, and I say this frequently. I'm going to focus in on just a few verses. I would love for you to read all of chapter 4 and all of chapter 5 because Paul lays out a tremendous amount of great wisdom for Christian relationships. What does it look like as Christians? How do we relate to one another? But today I want us to focus on a few verses right at the end of chapter 4. Let's hear this first. Paul says in verse 25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And if we skip down to verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So what's Paul saying? He's saying what we say matters. What we say matters. Are we speaking the truth? Sometimes we don't want to tell the truth, do we? 
because maybe there's some guilt in our own lives and we don't want to reveal that guilt. Or maybe there's something we need to tell someone that we love, but we know if we tell them it's going to hurt. We've got to challenge them about something that they're doing, a way that they're going that's wrong, that's going to lead to destruction. We don't want to do it, and so we back off. There's lots of reasons we might not want to tell the truth, but as Christians, Paul says, if we're watching our speech, one of the things that we've got to do is to speak the truth. We should be known as a people of truth. Now, that doesn't mean that we as Christians have to be brutal with the truth, right? But we do need to to be the kind of people who speak truth so that when people come to us, and ask a question, they will know that what they are going to hear is truth. It speaks to our character. It speaks to the kind of person that we are. Speaking the truth. Now, Scripture tells us to speak the truth in love, and we need to do that as well. But then we skip down to verse 29. As Paul's continuing to talk about our speech, We hear this, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And we begin to think, well, Paul sounds sort of like a a goody two-shoes, right? He's just saying you've got to make sure you don't say any bad words. And, yeah, that's all right, but he doesn't work with the people I work with. So I'm not sure I can do that. That's part of what Paul's saying here. I don't doubt that, that we need to watch our language because the words that we use, again, say something about the kind of character that we have, Okay. But I think it's more than just avoid uh, a certain group of words. Paul's saying, what is your conversation like? What are the things you talk about in your family? What are the things you talk about among your friends? What are the things that you talk about among your coworkers? Are these the kind of things that build people up or tear people down? Are these the kind of things that encourage people to do the right thing or to disregard scriptural teaching about the right thing? I mean, do you spend a lot of time sort of tearing other people apart in conversation? Because, again, that says something about character. Because if we're in the middle of a conversation and we're tearing up this group of people over here, the people we're talking to are eventually going to figure out We're going to talk about them to somebody else, too, right? So what's your speech like? Yeah, the vocabulary matters, but the things we're talking about matter as well. Because we as Christians, if we want relationships to be better, if we want our relationships to be stronger, what we say will have a dramatic impact on whether that happens or not. Are we speaking the truth? Does our language lift people up? Does our language help people to grow as a Christian? Does it help them to be drawn to Christ? Or does it make us seem like we're just like everybody else? There's really no difference in us than people who don't know Jesus at all. So speech matters in our relationships. Paul also says that the way we handle anger matters as well. Verse 26. In your anger, Paul says... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. So what does it mean to say that sometimes our anger would cause us to sin? We'll look down to verse 31. 
Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. You see, Paul understands that anger is a powerful motivator. He understands that anger can lead us down some very dangerous paths. People who, you know, when we see them ordinarily seem like calm, rational, rational, reasonable people, when they are angry can become something very different. And suddenly you're headed toward rage and malice like Paul talks about here. So how do we handle our anger? Paul says there in verse 26, in your anger, don't sin. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, we've got to maintain some control even when we are angry. We cannot allow our anger to take us over to the point that it leads us to do things that we would never do any other time and say things that we would never say any other time. You know, if we're honest, we know that anger can lead us to be out of control both verbally and even physically. And the church needs to stand against that, that we don't tolerate the kind of behavior that allows anger to get out of control so that people are hurt. So Paul says, when you're angry, watch your actions. Don't sin. Sometimes that means you've got to walk away. Sometimes that means you need to take time to calm down. But he's also saying, if you're angry, don't go home and replay everything that happened that made you angry and let that build inside you. I mean, somebody did something, said something that made you angry. Don't go home and play that over and over and over and over until you are in a rage. Instead, go talk to the person and deal with it. Now, that's no fun. It's no fun at all. Because sometimes that means we've got to go in humility and apologize for what's happened. Sometimes that means we've got to go and talk to, something, to someone about something they did to us, and that can be really unpleasant. We don't know how they're going to respond. And yet, that's what Paul calls us to do here. And some might say, well, what if I, what if I go and try to work something out with somebody? I mean, there's something between us. There's a confrontation. There's an issue. I'm angry. The person's angry. I try to go talk to them, and they are unwilling to resolve the issue. Well, you know what? You can't control the actions of anybody else. The only person's actions that you can control are your own. So all we can do is put that out there and attempt to deal with it and resolve it and get through the anger. But if the other person's not willing, we can't make it happen. But Paul is saying we should attempt to deal with the problem. So we've got to watch our speech. We've got to watch what happens in anger. Now, why does Paul pull those two things out? Because, wow, they are the source of so much problems, so many problems in relationships. And that is one of the things, two of the things, that, that really get out of control in marriages. Things are said. Truth is not spoken. And what was once the problem is magnified because there's also dishonesty. 
And the things that couples say in anger to one another can be so destructive. Paul knows that these are huge sources of problems in relationships. And again, it might be marriage, but it might be parenting. Because sometimes parents say things in anger that they would never say otherwise. And it happens with coworkers. And it even happens in church. Things are said in anger that hurt that would never be said when anger is not present. So what's the other side of this? That's sort of the negative side, but Paul gives us a positive side as well. It begins in verse 32 of chapter 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What's Paul saying? Two things. The two positives. The the negatives are watch your words and watch your anger. The positives are act in compassion and act in love. So part of that is, what are the needs of the other person? person? That's compassion, isn't it? What are the needs of the other person? What can I do to serve them? What can I do to help them? We're putting ourselves in their position. What's needed there? And then we as Christians act as we can in a compassionate way to help that person. If you want to see a relationship grow, in other words, take interest in the needs of the other person. It seems obvious, but we miss it all the time. So often we make relationships all about me. What am I going to get out of this? What does this marriage do for me? What are these relationships at work do for me? And Paul's saying, turn that around. What can I do for others? Even to the point that he talks about us loving people like Jesus loved us. Sacrifice. Jesus' willingness to give himself on a cross for our sins. That's the kind of love that we're called to have for other people. Follow, Christ, or follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. So what's Paul saying about relationships here? If I had to boil it down, I'd say it this way. Healthy relationships take work. You know, we want it to just come naturally. We want it to be easy. We want it to just sort of walk along and the relationships grow and everybody gets along and it all works out fine in the end. But the truth is, healthy relationships take work. And if you've been married more than five minutes, you probably know that by now. Or if you've been a parent more than a few minutes, you know that too. Healthy relationships take work. Emotional work, heart work, really being careful about what we say and what we do in our anger, and being focused and intentional enough that we see the needs in the lives of other people so that we can act to meet those needs. That's what Paul's talking about. 
Healthy relationships take work. And if we want to have relationships that last for decades in our lives, the only way that happens is if we're willing to put the work in. Because it won't always be easy. There will be a time when that other person, as close as you are to that person, will be needy. And you might get tired of it. And yet, if we act in compassion and love, that's the moment when we reach out. Because you know there's probably going to be a time in the relationship when you, when we, will be the needy one. When we are hurting. And we're going to need that friend or spouse or coworker or Christian brother or sister to be willing to listen Maybe even if they don't feel like it. Maybe even if they're busy. But we're going to need it to happen. So we have to ask ourselves, what are we willing to put into our relationships? What are we willing to sacrifice for the people around us? What are we willing to do so that the relationships will last? To love people, maybe when we don't feel like it. When we've got other things to do. When we're tired, when we're busy, are we willing to be sure we don't keep a record of wrongs? You know, sometimes it's just we have to put up with some things about people that we don't like. Sometimes that's the work it takes. When I started college, I roomed with a guy that I went to high school with good guy. A great Christian man now, many years later. But he had the smelliest feet that I have ever encountered. I mean, I would walk in our dorm room and think, I just cannot go in there. He wasn't even in there, but his shoes were in there, okay? And you know you think that seems petty till it's every day, you know? Sometimes that's what life is. Putting up with smelly feet. And putting up with the little things that our kids do or our spouses do that drive us a little nuts. But my guess is that's not what we're going to remember 20 years, 30 years, 50 years down the road when that person's gone, or when we know we don't have much time for this world. What we're going to remember is walking through life together. And the time we're glad we stood by that person, and the time we're thankful that they were willing to stand by us. And when we recognize that as much work as the relationship took, it was worth it. Let's pray together. God, our relationships with other people are so important, and yet there are times we just we don't always know what to do with them. We don't always understand people. It's easy to blame. It's easy to f- see the wrong in another person. God, help us to see what we can do to m- make our relationships stronger. Help us to see the work that we need to do 
to make them last. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And of course, the most important relationship that any of us could have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's done the work for that relationship because he died on a cross for my sins and for your sins. And he offers that relationship openly to you. Your sins could be forgiven. You could have eternal life with him. If you make the decision to believe in him, to put your faith in him, and then to be baptized into Christ. And if you've made that decision, we want to know about it. Or maybe you want to be a member of our church to serve alongside us. If you've made either one of those decisions, come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.